Welcome into the most interactive show on ABC 13 that deals with sports people and sometimes entertainment. David Nuno and Raheel Ramzanali here. Uh, Raheel, we've had, you know, I got to tell you, I got to be very honest. I've been very disappointed in your tone recently. I feel like you have not been excited about Houston sports the last 10 days. You need to be a little bit more upbeat when it comes to Houston sports. Sure, everybody is defecting. They're treating it like uh, communist Cuba in 1960. They're getting on the rafts and they're leaving Houston sports. But you need to have a better attitude about it. Understand? I've been pretty good about it, in my opinion. But you know what broke me yesterday? I was driving around and I was thinking, man, I can't wait for the weekend. Because on the weekend, at least I have Texas football, right? At least I can watch my team, the the university I went to, and and celebrate their wins or sulk in a loss or whatever it may be, right? Like, at least I had that. And then that game gets postponed or canceled, depending on when they make it up, if they make it up, if they need to. And that was the one that, like, really did it for me. I was like, man, now I have nothing to look forward to on the weekend because I'm sorry, I'm not excited about Texans games. It's a, a meaning, It's a meaningless season right now, other than maybe seeing some players that, you'll see next year with the next head coach if there is a new head coach so it's been that that was the one that really made it blah for me the the rocket stuff okay like teams are going to break up eventually right it's going to happen i'm just excited the nba is coming back next month that'll be cool major league baseball the free agency period really hasn't hit us yet george springer still you know he still hasn't picked a new team but we know he will so that hasn't bugged me as much I've it just bugs been. Me. It bugs. I like. No, it's good. Good. I for love him. George. I love him too. But it's time to get your money. Go. Go. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I know. I don't agree. I want him to stay here because I love when players stay one franchise for a long time. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for James Harden, trade him. I don't care. I really don't care. I want value. If he doesn't want to play here, fine. But let me go ahead and tell you how this works. All right. They got three years left on his deal. They don't have to do anything. If somebody comes and gives them a great deal, a three-way deal, trade him. I don't care. I don't believe he's going to win a championship. I don't. Does that mean if he joins Kevin Durant in Brooklyn with – can they win? Sure they can win. Could they have won with Chris Paul uh, two years back or three years back? Of course they could have won. There's no doubt. But he is not – he's the reason they get where they are. He is their best player. But he is also not a factor down the stretch. And I don't think that's going to change. I don't think he's going to change his game. So – Keep them or trade them. I don't care. I'm indifferent when it comes to them. I am not indifferent with the Astros. I still care about them, even everything they've gone through. I'm indifferent about how the Texans are playing. I'm indifferent about the Rockets. And I think a lot of people are indifferent about the Dynamo. I I said you should have traded James Harden after the 2016 season. So before Chris Paul got here, Mike D'Antoni's first year, when he did what he did against the Spurs, you know, getting blocked by Ginobili, the the no-show in game six, that to me was the... Okay, I don't think this guy is going to change. And there's no shame in that, by the way, right? There's shame. The, no, no, no. Here, shame. Here, shame. Here's why. I don't think there is. Some of the greatest players will never have never won a ring, right? Carl Malone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, the greatest players that have ever played basketball. They didn't win rings. Sometimes you just don't have it. Sometimes things don't go your way. I was wrong because they did get close after they added Chris Paul, and that would have been a horrible trade going into that season not to have James Harden and he has put up ridiculous numbers but 
at the end of the day, nothing had changed with James Harden, right? He's still the same guy. Puts up great offensive numbers. Dribble, 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 shoot. It's all about it's all about the offensive side. He started playing a little bit more defense when Chris Paul got here and got in his face. But when that factor left, it just went back to it's James Harden's way or the highway, a la Westbrook, right? Westbrook said he he called out James for some stuff and a corner report. So let me let me rephrase that. A corner reports Westbrook called out James Harden. And James Harden, surprisingly, was not receptive to that because he has been treated like a like a king, like an only child with this organization. And it is so frustrating. I say trade him. Get back whatever you can. If it's Karis LeVert, get him. I don't care. You know what? I don't think you're going to win with James, so you might as well try to do something else. Try to find a different formula. And I think you have a good enough head coach that can figure this out, no matter who the pieces are. All right, Raheel, we're gonna. So Sheila's giving us props on my uh, on my Harden. All right, I, I want you to do your best Harden, and I'm gonna do my best Harden, and we're gonna see if anybody's watching if they like it. All right, go ahead. Okay, here's my Harden. Ready? That that stupid head thing he did after the start, that slow start to the season. It, was that Bullard he that, did it to? Yeah, he did it to Bullard, and Bullard was yeah. just asking him because. He's like, hey, man, look, you've gotten off to a slow start, and I think he hung up 43 points in that game. And I think it was against the Spurs, if I recall correctly. And that was a year that he was uh, allegedly dating one of the Kardashians, Khloe Kardashian, right? right? So it became – he was Hollywood Harden. And it was such an insulting thing he did. Like, Matt Bullard covers the team. He asks a fair question, and James is like, ugh, I don't even have time for you. That, to me, was like, ugh, dude, this, this dude is horrible. I don't like him. So – there was my James Harden thing. Right. See, now I'm all riled up about, about James Harden. Here's my James. 24 okay. seconds on the shot clock. And tw- okay. okay. Three seconds on the shot clock. And he does that face. Okay. We, 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 we both play basketball. We played basketball together. You now play we basketball. Don't play... I go on the court. That's yeah, you got to go. Okay, there you go. You're not supposed to agree with that, by the way. You're supposed to be like, no, no man, no, no. you bring defense to the no, table. No, no. You didn't support me at You're all. You're there. You're on the court. You're on the court. <laughs> one, one of the most frustrating things, and look, not many rec people play with shot clocks, but just seeing what the NBA players go through, when there's five seconds left and James has dribbled all, those, all that time down, and then with three seconds left, he just passes to you, and you're like, what? You want me to shoot this with one second left? Like, take a horrible shot? It's so bad. Like that that right there is one of the most frustrating things. Like you spent all this time trying to get by your man, you didn't, and now you want me to take the, the bad shot? What a letdown. So it, it's so frustrating. Jeffrey says we're hating. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's not yeah. hating, it's our opinion. It's our honest opinion. What do you do you want us to sugarcoat it for you? Because I can. Here, I'm sugarcoating it for you. James Harden's gonna put up a lot of points and you still won't win a championship. There you go. Well, let, let let me I don't wanna pl- try to be fair and balanced, but let, let, let me give this. I think you're better with James Harden than without. There's no 100%. Okay? You're not going to get fair value if you trade him. And I think he does. And I, I wouldn't be a, opposed to running it back again because I think Russell Westbrook had a really good year up until the bubble. So there, there are some positives there. But if I am pontificating, because I love that word. I don't even know if it works there, but I like that word, to pontificate. If I'm pontificating... I don't think they're going to win a championship. I don't think they're close. I don't. I mean, I don't know what deals are out there that could put them over the top. Uh, so yes, I think you're better with Hamas Harden than without. And I think you're probably better with Russell. I mean, I, could I be talking to John Wall? Sure, but I want to. I, I, he's coming I, off I a love, major injury. 
Exactly. And he's going to get injured again. Westbrook had one. He was, you know, coming off of COVID-19 in the restart. And then he had the injury. So he was playing with that injury as well. We saw him that month where he was just outstanding. He was the best player on the team. He put up great numbers. I think it can still work. But I don't know if he wants to be here. I don't know if James wants to be here, right? So so who knows, right? Uh, they have to be sold on it, not us. And if they're sold on it, I think they're. you're right. Like You can still make this work. You got a great coach that can figure out offensively how to make both guys really good and the pieces around them really good. But there's just still so much going on behind the scenes. There's still so much going on with both of those guys that I, I don't know if they want to be here, right? So that that's a point that maybe if they, you know, the Rockets say, we don't want to trade for uh, Karis LeVert or Jarrett Allen. And we're going to wait. We're going to see what happens at the trade deadline. And if you two want to play, cool. If you don't, go ahead and sit. We'll just we'll just hang out here until we get a good deal. So we'll, we'll hey, see what happens. Two things I want to read real quick. Then we're going to bring in Roosh Williams into the show. Jay says, is the coach's fault for not trying to get hard at the buy-in? I think there is a shared blame here. You can give a lot of the blame to Mike D'Antoni. But the NBA superstar has so much power. And Mike is such an affable and easygoing guy. He's going to go with what his superstar wants because superstars in the NBA control things. So, yes, Jay, I think you are right. But I don't even think if you have an office, I, I, I've been told that there would be plays drawn up and they would just do their own thing anyway. So that that's a the other one I wanted to read. Where is this? Um, it was about this one. This is what I would say impossible to happen, uh, Matthew. There is no trade on the table for Kevin Durant. Yes, I agree with you. I would rather have Kevin Durant, even after his injury, over James Harden. Yes, but I don't believe that's on the table. I don't. I think they want to play together. That's why they're trying to do yeah. a trade. Godspeed. There you go. You want to bring in Roosh real quickly? I want to take my time bringing him in. How about you that? You want to take your time? I, okay, let's take I our think time he was like doing him. a hookah bar in the background. I see him in the waiting room. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> let's add Roosh to the show. What's up, Roosh? What's the deal, baby? How are we, how we doing? Thank you for having me. Good, man. So um, uh, first off, for those who don't know, somehow Roosh has more followers than James Harden on Twitter. Uh, he's always uh, dominating when it comes. His Internet looks to be from 1986 as well. But uh, he always dominates with his rocket takes and his uh, hip hop flow. So, Roosh, we, we appreciate you joining the show, man. Hey, I'm happy to be on. I, uh, I have been waiting for my moment to come discuss the rockets with you folks. Uh, for those who don't know, the Russell Westbrook Mafia came after Roosh and a couple other uh, Rocket guys for, I guess, their opinions uh, of Russ. Look, yeah. I love Russ, and I dislike Russ. It's a both. And it's not a personal thing. It's like there's certain things about their games that I do not like. And there are certain things about their games that I love, right? Roosh, how did you become, like, one of the Twitter authorities on the Rockets, man? Because, I mean, for the last couple of years, you have, A, uh, brought some insight, some opinions, and uh, on social media, you have a huge following. How, how did that all get started? Yeah, man. Um, so I used to uh, be really active on the Houston scene, um, rapping. I mean, I was a rapper, right? So I made I made rap music at the shows I toured. I did a whole bunch of stuff across the country and in the state and in the city. Um, and then I kind of put that all to bed, but I had like a, a you know a decent social media following from that. Um, and I put that to bed, and I just like I just kind of gave up on it, and I just started tweeting about sports because I mean I'm a diehard sports Houston sports fan, as you can probably probably tell. And then it just kind of started taking off. And I, I got to credit the first person that really gave me legitimacy in that world is my guy, Ben Dubose. Uh, ben brought me on the Locked on Rockets podcast. And then ever since then, I guess my takes were, were decent. Uh, and people started tuning in, you know. 
That's really cool. And, and that's awesome to see that, you know, like the, the fans have embraced it and it's fun to follow along and, and see what happens with, you know, your opinions and one that has gotten you in trouble in that they're his fans. And look, I'm a, I'm a Westbrook Stan. I love Russell Westbrook. I, I just think the way he plays the game with the intensity, it's awesome. He has his flaws like every NBA player does, but I love it, but I'm not going to go to the point where I start spamming people and, and just digging up stuff and like just being uh, annoying about it. What happened with you and the Russell Westbrook crowd? Man, um, <clears throat> so first and foremost, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't know that Russell Westbrook had such a devoted, like loyal following of, you know, just children that were willing to go to the ends of the internet for him. Um, I don't dislike Russell Westbrook. I know if you follow me, you probably think I strongly dislike Russell Westbrook. Uh, the medium of the message on Twitter, it's kind of hard to, to, you know, get the full spectrum of what I think when I'm limited to 280 characters and you can't hear my tone and all that stuff, as we know, right? But look, Russell Westbrook is a great player. I mean, there's really no denying that. I just don't think at the end of the day, when, you, when you're talking about the, the tiers of being elite, um, I think he's on the second tier. And I don't think that you win a championship with his style of basketball, primarily because he's fueled by athleticism, like you said, intensity. And explosiveness and he just doesn't play with high iq right he doesn't he doesn't know what his next move is going to be he just is so athletic and, and freakish that he's able to make it work you know um and so i point this stuff out you know when i see it uh and his, his inability to shoot as a guard like we're in 2020 if you're a six foot three athletic guard that can't shoot that's kind of been phased out out of the game as far as like top tier stars go right like guys like steve francis um i don't know i'm 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 OJ Mayo, like under, undersized guards that aren't elite shooters, Monte Ellis back in the day, you know, like they're good players, but they're not mm -hmm. championship players. And so I point this out and I was against trading Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook for many reasons. And so I, I have resentment towards Russell Westbrook for that. Although I guess it's probably more appropriate to have resentment towards Tillman for Tita, which I have tons of resentment <laughs> against for that. But, but yeah, this is like the, the amalgamation of all of this results in, Russell Westbrook Twitter completely hating me. So wait, hold on. You do know there's a James Harden Twitter that the Red Rowdies and Red Nation has fueled as well, right? Like anytime somebody says anything bad about James Harden on a national level, whether it be Ryan Rosillo, Sarah Spain, any of the any of the the people that I know, um, Red Rowdy Twitter attacks and defends James Harden. I think it's for every NBA player that's a superstar. There's this like underlying Twitter mob that is so. They're so worried about what other people think that they just attack everybody. It's wild, man. And honestly, I've seen what people say, you know, there's like Reddit threads. And sometimes I, I'll just go see like, you know, what are people saying about me? And I am perceived apparently, at least to some people, as one of those James Harden people. Like, oh, this guy's a James Harden. No, man, I'm, I'm a Houston Rockets fan. I'm a Houston lifer, you know, if, if like, that's it. Um, but, and I also just hate that it's kind of gotten to that point, right? It's like, oh, you know, you, you say something remotely negative about my guy, go to hell. You know, it's just like, what's the, what's the point of that? I love basketball. First and foremost, I, I fell in love with the game of basketball. And doesn't matter who you are. Like James Harden, I criticize him too. He does a lot of things that I would disagree with and that I think he has talent to overcome and not perform in ways that he's done. So it's like, I just like to talk basketball. Um, and oftentimes I get suck, suckered in to the personal back and forth because as you both probably know, uh, when you have an account with a decent amount of followers, sometimes people just feel like saying the craziest things to you. But at the end of the day, man, I just like talk basketball, you know? 
Hey, uh, Russo, you, you said you don't think that Russell Westbrook is a championship caliber superstar, right? Which is okay because you can join and be a second tier person and be one. You know, it's not like certain of the Rocket stars who won in the 94 and 95 years. They weren't necessarily until they got the right mix. But if you do you think James Harden is a championship caliber leader for a team or does he need somebody next to him like a Chris Paul like we had? He needs somebody next to him. Absolutely. And I, I justify that by saying the only person, well, I actually, I'll justify that by saying everyone needs someone next to him, even LeBron James, right? LeBron took a team to the finals on his own, and that was awesome. He's done that twice, but he lost both times. He got swept both times, matter of fact. Um, he's only ever won championships with premier talent, Anthony Davis, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Kyrie Irving, all that. So, yeah, James Harden needs help. And is he a championship leader per se? Not necessarily. Um, I think his leadership is lacking in some ways, in a lot of ways. But I, I mean, anytime people start piling on Harden, I just have to go back to 2018. I have a really, really strong pet peeve with how narratives control uh, what we determine are the facts. And I really go into the minutia because look, Chris Paul's hand me doesn't go down. We're not having these discussions. Mike D'Antoni's still the coach. He's an elite coach now. He's, oh, he did, he got it done. Right. And I have disagreements with Tony's coaching philosophies in a lot of ways, but like that's that's just the fact, right? If Chris Paul doesn't go down, very strong chance Houston wins one of those two games, goes on to win the title, and none of this is happening. Um, but I, I just think that 2018 season is proof. The, the proof is in the pudding. He had Chris Paul, and Chris Paul was past his prime, but he had the right mentality, the right leader, and the right skill set. And we saw the best team in Rockets franchise history by far, as far as the regular season goes. And honestly, man, if we're keeping it real, that team won 65 games with Chris Paul missing 24 games. And they, they won 65 games while tanking the last two or three. I was at the game where Luka Bamute busted his shoulder against the Lakers. And so they could have easily been a 70-win team. You know what I mean? Um, so when people dive into those little details, yeah, we can rag on Harden. But at the end of the day, we saw what, you know, if you put the right team around him and the right skill set, we saw what could happen. So. Let me let me argue a little bit with you because I think you're exactly right. I think the narratives changed based on history, but that's not how it played out. And what I have seen from the Rockets' best player is a disappearing act in crucial moments. Now he has appeared in some crucial moments too. Like mm -hmm. there, there's two sides to that story, but the ones that stick out to me is the Spurs loss. What was it? Game six, game seven against the Spurs. Um, uh, the the Clippers series way back in the day where. Um, you know that he was not even on 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 the on the court. It was the, he was on the bench watching, right? Um, there's so many different stories like that. Josh Smith dominating for them. Uh, th that series with the uh, the Warriors, it was Chris Paul who was carrying them, not James. And then at the end of the game, this style of basketball to me is not conducive to winning championships, especially in playoff ball, because you got to move the ball, and that's not how he plays. I completely agree with you. And I know you follow me on Twitter, so you know you've seen some of my takes on this. So I'll say this. The Spurs series is the absolute, you know, red flag, doo-doo stain on Harden's playoff tenure as a Rocket. No excuse for that. Kawhi went down, Tony Parker went down, and they got whooped. Okay? I will never excuse that. He deserves all the criticism there. The Clippers, I pushed back on a little bit. That game six, I mean, look, we've all played basketball at some level, and you know, sometimes you just catch lightning in a bottle and there's really no explanation for it. Guys that don't hit shots start hitting shots. You know, communication breaks down and all of a sudden you look up and a lead evaporates and you're just trying to, you're scratching your head figuring out how did that happen? And that's, that's what happened in that fourth quarter of game six. Josh Smith was taking step backs and making them. Corey Brewer dropped 14 in the quarter. 
nearly outscoring the Clippers in the quarter. It just didn't make basketball sense. And I remember watching that game thinking, please don't put Harden back in, not because I thought Harden wouldn't have been able to keep the lead, although we could talk about that. And maybe there is an argument that he would have, you know, ruined their comeback, but more so because when you catch rhythm and momentum in basketball, just let the magic happen. And, you know, it was more so about the guys on the court getting it done than it was about Harden not getting it done. So that that's that. And then don't forget, he came back in game seven, dropped 31. Uh, there was a yep. point where the Rockets had like a double-digit lead, I think. Yeah, he dominated. Third, early, early third quarter. Clippers come back. They cut it to like 60-57, I think it was. And it's like, that's where I started feeling tense. Like, oh, no, we're going to blow the game seven that we just fought for. And then Harden makes a move, drives down the lane, cocks back, hammer dunk. And, we you know, we coasted from that point on. So he deserves credit for that. Now, his style of play late in the game, I absolutely agree with you. However, um, I would say that Mike D'Antoni deserves a lot of blame because Mike D'Antoni created the Frankenstein monster, 35, 36-point-per-game James Harden that we've seen, but he never took the time um, or never the effort, really, to try to tweak that monster to make it as good as it could be, right? Mm -hmm. Now, is that totally on D'Antoni? I don't know if D'Antoni tried and Harden pushed back. That's possible. Um, but at some point your coach has to either rein your star in or at the very least call a play, call some action instead of just kind of sitting back and saying, go for it. Roosh, let me, uh, we're here. Let me just jump in two quick thoughts. I want to respond to this guy real quick and then tell, give Roosh some props. Uh, you're ignorant if you think Hart has never been good in a playoff game. I don't think anybody said that. Uh, he's Nobody been phenomenal in many games. <laughs> uh, he's been phenomenal, uh, but he's also missed some major appearances, right? Uh, and I don't think dream would ever have been on the bench for any rockets run regardless. So that, that's just, that's just, the other thing I was going to say is, Rush, I'm very uh, jealous of your recall. There was a time I could tell you the 1993 Oilers, every play and every player. I can't remember the Clippers series, dude. You're telling me how many points so-and-so had. I forgot Corey Brewer played for the Rockets for a minute. Like, you're telling me their stats. That is all fantastic, man. So I'm uh, uh, very, very impressed with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, James, uh, Josh Smith and Corey Brewer combined for 29 in that fourth quarter. Smooth yeah. at 15, Brewer at 14. But sorry, Ray. Hey, Roosh, okay, uh, we have to let you go in just a second, but I want to get the story. So I, I didn't know this about you. I knew you you, you won a hip-hop game and you performed, and that's how you met Shay as well, I believe, because uh, there was a stretch there uh, from, what, 2010 to 2016, like, no, 20, like 2007 to 2013, where the Houston rap scene was awesome. It was blossoming. It was great. Um, but tell us the story. So you you were a substitute teacher for a while, and – some of the students found your old, old tapes and you were fired as a substitute teacher because of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, how much time do I have just so I don't go over? Yeah, about two minutes. You got about two minutes. Two minutes. So yeah. <clears throat> basically, man, I was on, I was grinding, I was doing my thing. I used to work at the Apple store in the Galleria. Um, and then I, <clears throat> I quit. And so I was just looking for a way to make, you know, some side change on my own schedule, started subbing. I was living in the Greenway Plaza area. River Oaks Baptist School was right there. I didn't, I didn't even know I didn't really know what the school was. I just found like the closest school and just called them up and started subbing. And I was, I was like the most in-demand substitute that there was there. I was there for like four or five months. Everyone loved me. It was all good. Great relationships across the board. Like teachers were clamoring for, you know, Hey, let's get Rouge to, to be the sub. I'm going to be out in PE for a week, so on and so forth. Um, and then all of a sudden, man, so it was leading up to my second album um, that I had the most success with. The one that got me on Swain in the morning and got me on the cover of the Houston Chronicle um and then one day i had a show i was doing a show with wale at house of blues like on a saturday and on that friday i'm finishing subbing in like a seventh grade class and these kids come in these eighth graders come in and they just start going roosh williams and i was like oh sh you know damn bad news right 
Um, and then I come back on Monday and literally as soon as I came back for like my first assignment within 30 minutes, they called me in the office and were just like, we have to let you go because the content of my music was explicit and, you know, talked about certain things that may not be positive for kids. And it's a private school, so I guess they can do that. So they let me go, man. So even though I was like the most in-demand sub, and then the funny part is I went and ended up subbing in um, Sunnyside at Attics, at Attics Middle School in Third Ward, uh, and no one cared about any of that, you know? So. <laughs> and this has got a happy ending. You're, you're a lawyer now, right? Yeah, man. That was five years ago. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I went to law school uh, August of 2016. I graduated last year. I'm, I'm a practicing attorney. I do entertainment law. Um, you know, so I'm just kind of doing my thing. I, I also wanted to say this about Harden. I forgot to say this real quick. The one thing I think we'd all agree, and kind of to your point, David, about his style of play not really holding up late in the games. Um, I've heard this said before, and I agree with it. You never see that moment of desperation from Harden where it's like, hey, the game is on the line. Go get it. You know, don't just kind of dribble, dribble, lull somebody to sleep, step back. Don't go through the motions and like try to keep yourself cool at all times. Like, show some desperation, crash to the basket, do something. I've often said, like, I put more effort into my 21, my games of 21 at, like, the local LA fitness at lunch sometimes than I feel like James Harden does. And so that's one of my main criticisms of him as yeah. well. But, hey, Roosh, man, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Been a big fan of your work, and uh, hopefully you can do it again and gig them. No, no, not that stuff, you guys. Oh, Sorry. gig them. Oh, no, David's an Aggie. Hey, thanks, yeah. guys. I appreciate it. Um, hope to do it again, and, and really excited that we got to talk. Thank you. Thanks, you Bruce. got it, my man. Uh, good stuff there. I've been wanting to talk to him for quite a while. So now we're going to switch to my other passion. He's a, you know that I'm a, a big soccer guy. Uh, we bring in James Clarkson, the head coach of the Dash, to talk about the rebrand next season and all the good stuff going on. What's up, James? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good to see you, man. So, uh, dude, this this rebrand was kind of rumored about for a while on online, and then we got to see it this week. Uh, just your thoughts and everything being about Houston. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think if – I, th I think the look of it's terrific. Uh, it fits with what the the mission and and the goal of the of the organisation is. And I actually think if people just take a little bit of time to actually read what it's really all about, I think that really hits home and uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, the FC part, you know, can upset people, but when you actually look at it in the context of why it's added, I, I think it's fantastic. It, it shows. When the team first came here in 06, it was just a, a team. And over the years, it, it has grown into a club. And I think it represents that. So I, I think it's really positive. And, you know, we're excited about next season. Hopefully the fans can get back in the stadium and, and see the teams on the field. Yeah, the, the criticism, you know, look, fans are going to are gonna hate on stuff no matter what, right? Like nobody likes change, especially when it comes to uh, a, a team that they support or teams that they support. So I understand it, but it was so frustrating. Like, I'm excited about it. I saw it and I was like, this is really cool. And and I had known the story beforehand as well. So when you learn about what the new crest symbolizes, right, the six wards that make up our city, the, the bayou channels within the crest itself and the team logos, it's really cool. It's, it, it's, it, it's perfect for both clubs. Uh, but it was frustrating for me, like seeing the fans' criticism. Did you guys get frustrated at all, or did you even see any of the criticism? <laughs> uh, not, not directly. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's for the for the first time this year. I actually thought to myself, "Thank goodness we won," because yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that took a lot of heat off off the dash. Uh, 
and you know we're in the professional sports industry and you know you get ultimately you get judged by results and it's everybody's trying you know really hard as you would expect and everybody wants to win uh that they're really competitive leagues that everybody's playing in and it's it's tough and but i i do know that the support of the ownership is is there that they're behind both teams they want to be successful and uh, it's it's not as easy as just going out and just signing a big player. I think you can see that in LA at the moment. It, it, it isn't a recipe for success, yep. and it's it's difficult. And the very fine margins in uh, wins and losses, and at times there's a lot of things out of out of your control. And, and these are the variables that that go into winning and losing. And I think if you speak to any coach in any sport, it, it's the same thing. And but you, you, there's a real commitment there. There's a vision. There's a drive, and I, I think there's there's exciting times ahead for for the whole organization. James, how did you guys do it this past year? I mean, I feel like every year the Dash are known for losing star players or, or very good players. Last year you lost K, uh, and you were able to put together your best season slash the tournament too. Um, the the opening tournament that you guys really took it to everybody and in fact you took on k in the final that was great yeah yeah it, it was tough because you know the first year i was here it, it wasn't as successful as we we'd hoped but like i said there were fine margins where if things would have gone referee calls or a bounce of a ball we'd have been in a different position but we looked at it and we had to make some really tough decisions and when, when you let people go and, and they move on and, and they've been with a franchise for a long time, you know, they're, they're tough moments and there is a bit of, there's a gamble to it, but I knew how we wanted to play. I, I knew that the sort of profiles that had to come in that, that would fit with it. And, you know, we made a big commitment at the start saying that we may not have the best roster, you know, pound for pound, the, the best team in the league, but there's nothing stopping us being the best team and, getting that camaraderie right and getting the attitude right. And that's what really got us through uh, the year because it's been incredibly challenging. And we were, I think we were the most together group out of all of the teams and, and that bond and, and that, that camaraderie, I, I don't think you can really underestimate it when, when teams are, are, are pretty level. It, that might be the 5% that makes all the difference is, is the ability for them to fight for one another. And, and we saw that from the team in abundance. Uh, I made some changes in how we played and, and the style of play and made some adjustments in in the shape and things like that that I think really brought out the best in the quality of the players that we had. And that's something that, that's exciting for me as a coach. I, I look at it and I thought we played well, but I think there's a huge ceiling to, to the players individually and collectively. So... I think going into next season, next year is, is is really exciting because I know what we can improve and how much better we can actually get. You know that it's funny you mentioned that when when a team is on the same page, they they love playing together. They're 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 just a group, right? And that's what's happening with the Dash and the Dynamo FC as well. It's interesting. It's not just two teams anymore. This is hey, we're a partnership. We're on the same team, and you're going to be rooting for both uh, great squads. How did that? How did you guys get inspired by that? Because I love seeing it that it's no longer just you know you got the Dynamo there and then the Dash here. It's the Dynamo FC and the Houston Dash, and we're one thing now. Where did you guys get that inspiration? I I think it's the fact we're in the same building. Uh, we're pretty much on the same schedule, 
And I, I think it's it's so important that, you know, there is a real connection there. And a lot of it's driven by the players. And, you know, they've got to make the effort to, to talk to, to one another and, and show an interest in each other's teams. And I think that's really happened this year. And without COVID and the lockdowns, I think there would have been a lot more that, that you'd have seen. And I, I think from a vision from the front office, from John Walker, uh, from the owners, it, it is a huge thing to... To, for it to be one club. And I, I think that's vitally important to to the organisation, to the city, to everything, that, you know, that there's men and women are represented equally. And I, I think it's vitally important that this pushes on and, you know, that the Dash, you know, there's some incredible role models there, you know, that they're all highly educated women. They've all been to the top universities in, in the country. They've all graduated. They're, they're super smart uh, and... They're in the top two percent in the world in, in what they do. So uh, they're incredible, in, incredible in what they can do and the power that they can have within the community. James, can you do me a favor this year when you guys play Orlando? Can you tell Alex Morgan to come? My daughter's been waiting to see her for years. I feel like she never comes to Houston, and now she's she's back from her baby from the summer. So I hope to see her this year. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've never played against her, so. Uh, Hopefully she doesn't play very well when we play. It would be nice for her to come to and participate in the game, that's for sure. Well, and you guys got your stars as well, right? I mean, I mean the way Jane has been playing this year, she was amazing. Uh, so many people have been called up to uh, international duty. You guys have really developed uh, a nice system and a nice group of players. Yeah, I think that's been important for us because we haven't had any national team players. So attracting the best players is... Is difficult, and uh, but it's something that we, you know, we strive to do because we want to be the best. So the the work that's gone in off the field in terms of the environment that the players can they train in, they live in, uh, the the support off the field, medical wise, has it, been phenomenal. And by creating that environment, then the next thing we've got to do is make sure that uh, we develop uh, develop players and we, we create national team players ourselves. That that's the big thing. All right, last thing uh, before we let you go, I know you have a busy day as well, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time out. Um, I was recently talking to a former UFC fighter, and she is now fighting for another organization. One of the things that we talked about is how far women's fighting has come in the fact that now when you see women fighting on the UFC cards, it's not a it's not like a sideshow. It's not, oh, look, the women are fighting. It's just, oh, cool, well, here's a really good fight. Here's a here's something that we love watching, and just, they just happen to be women, and that sport has come such a long way. How far do you think that uh, you know the dash and the and women's soccer in general is from just hey, this is just good soccer. This is just something we want to watch and support, and it, it they just happen to be women. How far do you think that is? I, I think we're getting towards that tipping point where it explodes and goes to a whole other level. I think it, it really mirrors the MLS 10 years ago. And you see the growth in the MLS over the last 10 years. It's been phenomenal. Uh, I have a lot of friends that come to the games now that have never been to a Dash game before. And they're all, all shocked. They all go, wow, this is actually really exciting. It's really good. The level of play is good. I think there's more goal action because the game's a bit more transitional than, than the men's. Uh, and I think it's a great advert for the sport. And hopefully we've attracted a whole new uh load of fans that come out and then we create a really good atmosphere at BBVA and this elevates us to a whole nother level within the city, but then also within, within the country, but also globally as well. 
James, I think the fans are there. I mean, I think if you look at the international play, they just they don't soccer in the men's side has been so fragmented for years. And I think on the women's side, it's just building. The fans are there. They just haven't had a place to go. And I think they do now. So um, you guys are doing some great stuff there with the dash. And we appreciate your time, my friend. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thank guys. You, you out there. We'll hopefully see you out there in person next year. Let's hope so. All right. See you soon. Right. Thanks, James. See ya. All right. Good to have him on the show. Uh, yeah, so let's close up with a couple things, Heezy, because uh, I know you got to get going. i got a show to get ready for. Uh, Iron Man uh, 70.3 canceled this weekend. So I don't oh, know if you saw canceled. that. I didn't see yeah. that. No. Oh, man. So I did a story yesterday on a gentleman who has Parkinson's who is going to be racing in it this weekend. And he told me, he's regardless, he's going to be doing it um, in his neighborhood if he has to. We weren't sure if it was going to get canceled. He thought it was going to get the go. But now just the numbers are going up. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. You know how uh, I'm passionate about Ironman, and it's such a such a grueling and fun sport to do. So it was, uh, it was unfortunate because the last one in April uh, was canceled. I was supposed to do the one in April. I yep. pushed mine back to the next April, which mine may not get to happen because these mm-hmm. folks are expecting to go, and like it's just a, a roller coaster. So that 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 was just um, some final thoughts on the Rockets. Look, I think you can misconstrue criticism when you're in the bubble, right? We are so close to James Harden that we see his his greatness and his flaws maybe sometimes too close. Just because you don't like a style of play doesn't mean you don't appreciate the greatness. He is a he is the probably the most gifted scorer we have ever seen in Houston, right? I mean, I, Dream played in a different era and it was a different type of beauty, right? James is a beautiful scorer, uh, but if he wants to go, I'm fine with it. I just want value. I'm so sick of trading DeAndre Hopkins for nothing and you know, I saw this on Twitter the other day. Like, the Rockets got more value for Robert Cummington than we did for DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like, that just shows you. And I believe Rafael Stone is going to put the Rockets in the best position. And if I'm him, I'm trying to convince both Harden and Westbrook to stay another year. And if you can't, no problem. You've got three years to figure it out. If you get an amazing deal and you want to ship them, by all means. If not, you don't have to. You can talk. I hope you froze there. Sorry, you froze. Oh, there, I, thought, so I, I thought you froze. No, 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 you froze. I, I, I'm with you. Look, I, I don't think James is going to get it done as just the guy. Like Roosh mentioned, like you've mentioned, like I've mentioned, it's hard to win alone in the NBA. You've got to have help, right? And you got to have the right person next to you, somebody that's going to push you in James's case. And I don't think he's open to that anymore. Look, he, he has three years left on this deal. If you can get good value, I'm with. Look, if he wants to go to the Nets and you get a good package, go for it. I'm in the minority that I think a guy like Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen, if you can get Spencer in as well, and then some picks, I think that's a pretty decent package. It's not going to be a most valuable player coming back. Those are hard to find, right? Like, I don't want John Wall for, or, or excuse me, let's say the Wizards say, hey, we want a John Wall pa- package with James Harden. I don't want something like that, right? I want uh, potential good pieces that you can really go forward with. So, um, I don't think that's out there right now, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. This is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Is James just going to sit for the first couple of months of the season if he doesn't want to play? Uh, is there going to be like a holdout, right? Like, yeah, it, wait until you get the best package, right? So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I have one thought real quick. I just want to go back to the Dash and Dynamo. I love the new redesign. I think it's really cool. I love the logo. And I'm pumped for them next season. I can't wait to see both of them. So I just want to throw that out there as well. Um, hey, with the Texans, blech, whatever. <laughs> hey, uh, I love that our show has become, what's the name of the app, the dating app? 
um is it uh what is it i i don't know we both have we've been married for so long not to each other but uh, we're married well, separately yeah i mean like we're married as friends but uh yeah it's uh what, what's the app called uh tinder there you go Tinder. okay yeah, yeah. bumblebee so we, we, isn't there one called bumblebee or something yeah what is it bumble a guy in the background i'm not gonna say his name because i don't want him to get in trouble said i know bumble. who's in the background how does he know <laughs> Yes, sorry, Juan's in the background. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look at that. Uh, My dude is shooting a shot out here, Rajan. Yeah, he's trying to. Hey, so if there are any, by all means, um, find, find Rajan on uh, on Facebook. <laughs> uh, and Daryl, we appreciate you. Oh, I got I got to get CJ. Uh, CJ is always him. very very good at the show. Mr. David Nuno, and I've told him we are not on the usted form between each other. CJ, you can go with two when you talk to me. Mr. David Nuno, comma. I have a question for you, Comic. You can uh, can Russell stay in Houston uh, in twenty twenty one? Can he? He sure can. Will he? Sure can. I don't know if any of us know. The, the reason we I don't know either. is we don't know Rafael Stone, right? The mm -hmm. short off season with the season starting in December. I mean, when is? I was joking. There is no Juan here. Um, there's a uh, <laughs> people are asking. Show me this Juan guy. Um, is that really here? <laughs> You know, I got I got a comment yesterday that somebody said, you know, your show's good with Raheel, but the best part is when you guys are laughing and clowning on each other. So maybe I should make fun of you more often. What do you, okay, hold on. Give me uh, – so we got one minute left. What do you think of the mustache right now? What do you think? Never been a fan. There's never been a mustache, not even on Tom Selleck, where I've been like, that's a good look. Ever. I, so I let it – so like I have some stubble now, but when it's clean shaven, I think the best comp is Freddie Mercury. And that's a great comp. It's a great look. Hey, great look. if that's the look, um, that's great. But that's just not the look for me, my friend. So uh, I will support you. I will promote you. But I ain't going to join you. Yeah. Movember.com slash the letter T slash Team Reheal. Or you can go to my Twitter and donate. That's why I have it. I have it for Movember. There you go. That's why. I don't look good normally... on me. Honestly, well, how would I look? Would oh, I lose you... viewers? Yes. I you might would lose. Too. You might. You, <laughs> you might lose everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. One last thing. Chappelle show is on Netflix. I just rewatched the entire series. Gosh, it is so perfect. It is so perfect. Oh, the best, the best comment yet. And we're going to end the show with this one. <laughs> Mr. There David Raheel mustache is ugly, but it's wow. for a great cause. So everybody help yes. out Raheel on that. Uh, follow him on social. And I love Chappelle. Everything he's on. I'll watch him on YouTube when he does those performances back in in his hometown in, in Ohio. I guess he's right outside of Cleveland or right outside of Cincinnati. Where is yeah, he? Yeah, he's, he's in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Uh, and, and Bob, we appreciate your don't, comment as well. Don't put it up. Why are we going to put it up? I knew you were going to. As soon as that comment came in, I knew you were going to put it up. That's why I was like, as soon as you looked away, I was like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Don't do it. Who cares? Who cares? Hey, it's sad to see that nobody has something better to do than to make that comment. How about that, yeah. Bob? There you go. All right, man. Uh, good talking to you. Good talking to Roosh. Uh, thank you to James Clarkson for joining us to talk about the rebrand, to talk about the Dash. Uh, it was a good show. And again, you can watch all of our episodes that we've done for the last few months on the ABC 13 app. You can get that on Apple TV, Roku, Fire Stick, and I believe there's one more. Android TV? I think. Just find it. Just Google yeah, it. You'll find Just it. Go. You'll find I mean, it. I mean no Lance is a big deal. We don't know allow anything all right so just just go find it all right i'm done i gotta do some work all right talk to you later later